Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the matchup we'll be getting into this week is 1997's Gross Point Black versus 2010's The Other Guys. How are we doing today? Yeah, can I complain? We've got a nice little week on our hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I may sound a bit bunged up to people listening. We did the podcast yesterday, the Standard Monday one. And it was like as the cold was coming in, so you could gradually hear me getting more bunged up. It's not great. As the, it's not, not as fun. the two hours went across. No, not ideal. No. Um, but you've been looking forward to this week for a long time. I said last week I wasn't too sure what to expect. We will get into that. If we start with gross point blank, throwing it back to 1997. Martin Blank is a professional assassin. He is sent on a mission to a small Detroit suburb gross point and by coincidence his 10-year high school reunion party is taking place there at the same time i think that's quite undersold in that description of it yeah it is yeah because Um, there's another one like there's a longer description on imdb and it looks like um if you kind of just got a bot to just put a a bunch of random things in a generator and spit out a storyline because like the other one I saw was Martin Blank is a freelance hitman who starts to develop a conscience which causes him to muff a couple of routine assignments so that's popped up on the advice of his secretary and his psychiatrist he attends his 10th year high school reunion in Gross Point Michigan hot on his tail are a couple of over enthusiastic federal agents another assassin who wants to kill him and grosser an assassin who wants him to join an assassin's union so you get a lot more in that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the IMDb one. That reading the IMDb one, that wouldn't charm me into watching the film. No, would the cast not do anything for you? Uh, that may do. Just I was just on about literally just the storyline. Oh no, sorry, sorry. My the assassin bad. part is were... kind of tossed to the side there, and it seems like it's more about the the reunion. I mean, it is a little bit. The film, the film, mate. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, what what do you think the critics have to say about this? Uh, about a six or a seven out of ten. However, you put that into about a six out of ten. However, you put that into word form for me, you can tell me whether or not I'm right. But I don't think it will be overwhelmingly positive. But I, I don't know. I think you struggle to dislike this. But I, I always think that. But uh, Cusack might seem a bit frail to be regarded as a hitman. But his hyper-cool manner and razor-sharp delivery of the movie's cracking dialogue is never anything but convincing. Think you have to be bulky to be a hitman? Um, no, I don't. I don't think you do. I mean, I it's probably the sort, opposite. Well, no, I sort of get. I sort of get that point, but I don't think it's. I don't know if it's a prerequisite. I mean, the no. first, the first one you see him take someone out, he shoots him with a sniper. I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, as long as you can shoot a gun straight, I mean, I'm sure you can do that. With its darkly comic sensibilities and morally flawed protagonists, this won't be to everyone's taste, 
that those who can get on its wavelength will appreciate the savoury witticisms and dryly acute observations. Yeah, but John. Sorry, cool. The John Cusack lovers, gross, quote, gross Point Blank is one of his best, an engaging showcase for his droll demeanour and a seamless blend of comedy and action. It's light entertainment in spite of the body count. And you know the next question I'm going to ask you. Seven. Nine. Double it. Fourteen. What about the guys at the end? Uh, oh, no, no, some... no. Sorry, I was just trying to figure it out, but I think I got it wrong. Despite some early indications from the two Cusacks and Arkin that it's going to be funny, it winds up an unholy mess that becomes steadily more incoherent, morally, dramatically, and conceptually. Actually, that's just wrong. Finally, the action, when it comes, is fast and furious, tinged with wisecracks that would make Tarantino cheer. It strikes a perfect balance between romance, comedy, and action. Yep, that's exactly what it does. Feel that one's more appropriate. Mm-hmm. I will run you through the trivia, to which there is a little bit actually. So, okay. in the one version of the scene where Martin walks into Debbie's radio booth for the first time, and I believe this is what we see in the film, Minnie Driver decided to let her character put all her cards on the table and just kiss John Cusack. George Armitage said, It was just wonderful, completely out of the blue. You should have seen the smile on old Johnny's face afterwards. Cusack was enjoying himself. Obvious reasons, my friend. <laughs> uh, John Cusack says this is one of his favourite films that he's done. Wonder how highly he rates Hot Tub Time Machine. Number one, I would imagine. Like I was actually no, this would be this is my favourite film of his. But I wonder if ILP rates it somewhere nearly as highly as I do. What Gross Point or Hot Tub Time Machine? Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, he has to surely. No, that's sensational. I bet it's the most fun he's had making a film. I don't know. I think this might be up there. Um, the arcade game that the Ultima employee is playing during the shootout is the aptly titled classic Doom 2. This game was never actually available in a commercial arcade cabinet and so was just constructed specially for the film. I don't know if that came out maybe before the game was out and it was a bit of a promo, but... I don't know. Or they were just very specific to... that they wanted Doom 2. Yeah, was it cheaper for them to buy to make it than it was to buy, like make it with Doom 2, for example, and to buy it with something else? Who knows? Oh, no, I don't know. Um, according to George Armitage, he basically shot three movies simultaneously one that stuck to the script, one that was mildly understated, and one that went completely over the top in terms of improvisation and energy. It was usually the third version that got used. So this does mean there could be alternate takes of nearly every scene still out there somewhere. Um, and depending on whether the studio retained the footage, we don't know if uh, we'll get a, DV, a Blu-ray release maybe somewhere down the line with uh, a different cut. But until then, you've just got the uh, over-the-top version. Did you just say Blu-ray? Yeah, Blu-ray release. Who's releasing Blu-rays these days? Plenty of people. Are they? Yeah. I, honestly, I love buying DVDs and shit, but I do not know anyone who's bought a DVD in about seven years of a new film. People get people collect them. Hmm. Yeah, I used to. So, yeah, loads of people buy Blu-rays. Mm. Okay. They were going to do it. You'd think it'd be this year, right? Yeah, 25 yeah. years. Uh, John Cusack and Jeremy Piven were high school friends, much like the movie storyline. 
No, sweet. In terms of that one with the alternate takes, that would be a weird way to go about it, wouldn't it? Because usually, like for a comedy, you get like the unrated version where yeah. you get the over the top. To release like a dialed back one would be like, in case you want to chill out Sunday, you don't want one that's just so over the top. So you just dial it back a bit. We'll have we'll have the in the middle cut today. I actually think you can make it work for this film. I'm sure you could, but but like work, it's going to be but work, but work well is what I mean. I think the dialogue is. I, I mean, I personally think the dialogue's fantastic. And I think you could throw if you throw in a little bit more of that, you're not going to do sort of do do anyone too much harm. No, but like the, the suggestion here is anything kind of wacky has been included, so any other version is going to be less and just slightly more sensible. Yeah, but you don't that that could take it out could take a million number of different forms, couldn't it? Yes, sir. Is um, the point around that? Tarantino was a fan of George Armitage's work and somehow came to be personally acquainted with him. While filming the Ultimate shootout, Armitage added a nod to Tarantino with his help. He actually called him up and asked for the kind of lobby card of the Pulp Fiction cast. Um, mm. And that's why that gets shot to bits um, in the shootout. Tarantino actually wanted to make a cameo. He wanted to be blown up in that scene, but uh, never actually happened. <laughs> Want to insert himself into someone else's film and just be blown up. Yeah, of course he did. It was never going to be, like, I don't know, it was never going to be one of the guys at the reunion, was it? No, unlikely. Um, according to Joan Cusack, War Incorporated from 2008 is an informal sequel. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Uh, it's so, because it's an informal sequel, but it's, he plays a hitman again, she plays his secretary, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, and Dan Aykroyd is in a supporting role as well. Yeah, maybe I should watch it. Um, screenwriter Tom Jankovitz wrote the initial script for Gross Point Blank after receiving an invitation to his 10th high school reunion. He picked the title while substitute teaching for an English class at Upland, <clears throat> sorry, at Upland High School. And uh, he wrote the title on the classroom's whiteboard to see how it would look on a movie theatre marquee. Hmm. Something, <clears throat> sorry, something that I, I wrote down of in my notes and I saw that it's considered to be quite a cool thing for the time was when you've got the Guns N' Roses rendition of Live and Let Die playing um, as he pulls up to the Ultima when he enters the song continues in the background but it doesn't skip a single beat it just transitions just perfectly to being on like the radio in the store and I thought that was really well done. I noticed it but didn't consider it if that makes sense yeah I just well, it was cool at the time, and then seeing it in the trivia um, made me think a bit more of it. Hmm. Uh, this was almost made previously. Uh, several production companies say they liked the concept, but it took a while for Jankovic to be able to sell the script. Kiefer Sutherland, a.k.a. Jack Bauer, wanted to make it around 1992, but he said the mix of comedy and violence was just a tough sell for almost anyone out there that would be willing to finance it. So that's why it took another four years before uh, you get the movie. I wonder what changed. It is strange because now that's action. the whole thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Action comedy is a big business. Ryan Reynolds is, that's like his thing. Hmm. I wonder what I'm trying to think. Is there, I don't know if there's anything that, to my mind that came out that would have changed the world, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, Don Cheadle 
was the original choice for the role of McMullers, but turned down the role for unknown reasons. I'm glad Don Cheadle was not in it. Why? I love Don Cheadle. I'd love Don Cheadle, but I want him in better parts than this. What was he doing in 97? Let's have a look. No, oh, but I'm just saying he deserves better. No offence to the guy who did it, but he ain't Don Cheadle. He was in Buggy Nights in 97, so he's done all right for himself. Yeah, he just deserves a better part if they're going to put a cheat limit. Great, great actor. Don't want him in three scenes, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got that talent, use it. Something I noted down while watching the film. While Marcella is pouring the gasoline around the office, I thought it was like a point by the fact, yeah. (laughs) Do you think that's an oversight? Do you think that's just to show how carefree she is? Because I thought that was strange at the time. Like, usually the whole point would be, like, your villain would do it and he'd flick it as he walks out the room and then the whole thing bursts to flames, but... No, I don't, I don't know. Is it just because the ash wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't cause the spark? I don't know. It's just usually... If she doesn't drop the spark, it... then she's okay. It's a but risk. Normally it's, it's the, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a risk, but... It, uh, is it, um... No, I think every time I watch it, she's just <laughs> dancing around with a fag in her mouth in a room that she's yeah. just poor petrol... Or, or, all over. Really. Um, when Bob, the former bully, reveals a softer side and shows Martin that he writes poetry, Martin tells him to skip to the end, cutting off the majority of the poem. This was actually an ad lib on John Cusack's part. Michael Kudlitz, who plays the role of Bob, was supposed to recite an entire poem as a drunken monologue, and Cusack's just cut off his big break and uh, skipped the whole thing. The director liked it. And so your man loses about a minute's worth of lines. I think I've said said before, my uh, GCSE drama exam, I forgot my lines, cut someone else off. Um, I passed and they didn't. So shouldn't have given me all the lines. Talking of lines, he does actually end that by saying, do you want to do some blow? Yeah. It's just sensational. And he's like, no. No, no, thank you. And as a little uh, throwback to what we were saying earlier, in this movie, Cusack is part of the class of 1986. In Hot Tub Time Machine, they travel back to 1986. So, there you go. Hot Tub Time Machine would have been fucking awesome if he had travelled back in time as Martin Blank. <laughs> also, probably would have dealt with things a lot differently. Yeah. Martin Blank's not getting stabbed by a fork, I can tell you that much. I might watch Hot Tub Time Machine tonight now. Uh, I'm thinking, I, when the words came out of my <laughs> mouth, I had the exact same thought. <laughs> yeah. um, do we need to ask your opinion of this film? I mean, you've said it on, I believe. I mean, no, you don't need to ask, but sort of how a podcast works, man. Yeah, I mean, kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? You're a big fan. Oh, yeah, I love this film. Uh, for anyone who was kind enough to watch our interview with Steve Pink, you will know that I'm a big fan of the film because when he when he said thank you for liking the film I told him Steve I don't like the film I fucking love the film <laughs> um, and I stand by it I I don't it's hard to describe now I've seen this film an awful lot of times there are now less laugh out loud moments in this film for me but I do sit I essentially spend 85% of this film with a smile on my face and I noticed myself doing it last night just as Cusack's talking, I am just, I just sit with it. It must, if anyone were to watch the film with me, I would probably look demented. But, like, just sit and, like, a wry smile, because I love the dialogue. I lo- love the pace of it. 
the stuff that happens, the soundtrack's unreal. Yeah. Like one of one of the best for me. It's it's actually sensational. It, everything's the music's with it. We actually asked Steve Pink about the music, didn't we? Yeah. I asked him about the music. You asked him. Um and it's just it, it's just brilliant. It's easy to watch. You don't really need to I mean you, you need don't you need to pay attention to certain scenes, but you don't need to be glued to it, gripped to it the whole time. You'll you'll follow it easily enough. Well, it goes back. Someone's trying to kill him, etc. But it's oh man, it's just it's class. What then? What, what, what is there to dislike about this film? You said your dad got you to watch it, didn't he? He did. Well, tell me about it. Some of his recommendations are a little bit off. Some of them, some of them are quite poor, but did miss you. Hit the nail on the head with this one. So interesting, you said about the soundtrack. So. They obviously went all in with it. I think you referenced it um, in the interview that it was curated by um, Joe Strummer from The Clash. Yeah. And it does include two songs from The Clash, Really Can't Fail and... Uh, Armageddon. Arm- yeah, there we go. Um, so they released this as an album into the charts and it peaked at 31 on the Billboard 200, mm-hmm. which prompted them to release a second album with the songs that didn't quite make the 13-track album that came out the first time around. So you still had specials on there, the Pogues, all from The Clash, etc. This one didn't do as well, but they managed to get two albums to turn even more of a profit from a film that did, I think, about six times its budget. Yeah, it did okay at the box office. Which, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe something to most people it's just a forgettable film. Because, like, I've never heard anyone really talk about it. Well, I suppose I was. No, I've never heard might, it. Might, might just be the way. But, like, might just, that's, that's probably actually the same as so many other films that we we sort of think about, to be honest. Um, but maybe it's, I, I considered that point more because I like this film so much. It might be something with John Cusack, and I don't know, I mean, you may correct me here, you will probably know better than I do. For me, Cusack's a guy that I like, but I don't go out of my way to watch a film because I see that he's in it. Oh, that's where you and I are different. Okay, so if we're going back, a Cusack film comes out in the cinema, that would be... No, not necessarily a cinema, but as much as I've Probably over the years, I've probably been to the cinema less than you. But it's certain that it's certainly. But if I see if I see him in something, I'm I'm always intrigued. Sometimes don't yeah, like so, the, the concept, but I'm always I'll put I will make an effort to go on to to give it a go. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say to the point where it. I'm not paying attention. I meant to the point where he's not a guy. Where I mean, we've spoken about this on on the podcast plenty of times, and the kind of guy as it's changed through time but he's not a guy who makes people go to the cinema on the basis of the fact that his name is attached to it um i don't know i i the majority not the masses no that's what i mean i'm on about the kind of top of the pile yeah he's no he's not if you're ranking your top 10 film star like your top 10 movie stars no or top 20 you're right he's not there he, he wouldn't be there, but he had his moments. He, he is very, very good in 
he do, he just does what he does. Like if you consider this and Hot Tub Time Machine, whilst their characters are worlds apart, they are they all are also some the way he delivers stuff. It's just always the same. Yeah, very witty. It's very dry. Um, I think if you like that, you'll sort of he will will be the draw for you. I think in this the draw like this film specifically. I mean the draws the cast right. Mini Driver's fairly big. Dan Aykroyd's still huge in the game. Alan Arkin's still a legend. Joe, John Cusack, to my knowledge, not so, not as much. So my apologies if I'm wrong. Well, it, as you've just said about his kind of character, just taking the kind of key words out of the critics' reviews: droll demeanor, savory witticisms, dryly acute observations, cracking dialogue. So that's pretty much what what Cusack does in this film, isn't it? He's a laid-back guy that's kind of just firing off almost like semi-punch lines. But I don't think much in this film, or certainly the ratio is far less, is supposed to have you like slapping your knee and kind of no, jumping no. out, you roll on the floor laughing. It's, it's supposed to be a chuckle. You kind know? of smiling, you nod your head like an acknowledgement, yeah. like that was good. But I think there's, there's a lot of that, like as in... Not just that is definitely where the, it leans, but there's also an awful lot of moments that fit that that bill, or for me there is anyway. And that's why, like I say, it's why I like the film. I'm sat there with smiling and nodding my head to eight, like eighty five percent of the dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a it's a far easier watch than any description would paint it to be. Yeah. Any a film you're reading here and you're seeing it's a romantic crime comedy that doesn't jump off the screen as being like. <laughs> necessarily the easiest watch it could be a bit of a jumble um i said what put me off last week is i mean the first line on uh, imdb calls it a black comedy choice mm. oh, to know how that how i feel about that but yeah I, te- I phoned you after very pleasantly surprised thoroughly enjoyed it found myself looking at my phone to a minimum for the two-hour duration um and i kind of knew what i was in for right from the first scene where you've got uh i can see clearly now the rain is gone as you got as you get the title credits and then him speaking to what you gather is his like receptionist or whatever you've got the kind of back and forth the witticisms from early and then the sniper shot and a bit of carnage so they laid a stall out pretty early yep. for you and just from the dialogue in in that scene i kind of knew okay yeah i'm gonna like this yeah i get that the the, the conversation the first conversation that they have um it, it, it does i do like i also like as it then skips to him and awkward meeting for the first time i think strangely one thing that they portray in this film i don't know if they i don't know if it was the intention i think it was played for to be funny and it is funny the anxiety or the nervousness you would have if you're a hitman meeting another hitman. Yeah. Like as they go together, as they go to shake hands, both of them are sort of turned, semi-turned away with their hand on their gun, re- like ready to go as for like the entirety of their conversation. But then I also quite like the dynamic with that, that then the conversation is almost as if they are work friends to the point where yeah. they're like office mates, like they're speaking like across the desks. Yeah. 
So it's it's a very cool way that it is done. Mm. And it's the way it's delivered. Again, it's very fast-paced. It's very clipped. Um, I do very, do very much enjoy it. Yeah, I would say their chemistry peaks, obviously, when you've got the diner scene. Um, mm. Maybe, I mean, it's not going to be your, your favourite diner scene, but I'm sure it's up there. And just the way there where they're able to both kind of just flex a bit. I imagine there was all sorts of improvisation done during that scene. I I, I do think you could stretch that. I do really think you could stretch it. I'm not saying I don't want like a 10 minute back and back and forth, but it's over quite quickly. The, I mean, the story about the dog is quite funny, but I know it shouldn't be, but it is quite funny. Um, and then him obviously dropping the plate and running out the door. Yeah, the fact that he saw an edge though, that probably makes sense that he does, he's not hanging around. Oh no, no, I get I I get that. I mean for the story it's stretching out and for the energy yeah. in the room probably doesn't make sense, but if we were putting together what would I what more would I want from this film? Give me a little bit more of Ackwood and John Cusack opposite each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um Dan Aykroyd, um, in this film, obviously has not a minor role, but his screen time is to a minimum. Very long. No, but this is a case where, I mean, I we spoke about Wahlberg in the. De- yeah. When we speak about the likes of Wahlberg in The Departed, etc., this mm. is very much making the most of your time on screen, isn't it? Like he maximizes every second. I, yeah, I think of him very. When I think about this film, I think about Dan Ackwood very, like, very early in the thought process. Yeah. Um, at the end, when he really just gets to run wild with uh, the shootout, mm. do we think him singing "She'll be coming around the mountain, I'm gonna blow your fucking head off" is improvised, or that's in? Do you reckon that's in the script? I don't know. I'd like to say it's in the script because it's a great bit of writing. But if he's decided to sing it, then fair play because I do love it. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um, but the security guard at the start, well, we know he's not a security guard now, but when he has the kind of botched assassination at the start of the film mm. and the security guard's just ripping off his full clip like he's bored playing cod and he's yeah. firing into the dead bodies or whatever or to other airport mission he's just going to town yeah no russian i didn't know jeremy piven was in this mm. really like piven in this uh, again he's in like three scenes but he is very very memorable yeah he, he's right or, he's right or die in this as well yeah, he, he, yeah, he, like genuinely no questions asked. He's just wrapping up dead bodies. <laughs> he's just putting, he's putting in our dirt, and you're like, I haven't seen him in ten years, by the way. As he points out yeah. for a whole scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask a couple of questions about the the kind of morality of the characters in this. If we take Cusack's character out of it, and the fact mm. that he is a hitman, um, Piven at the drop of a hat, is ready to dispose of a dead body. His, his lone question is what he was going to kill you first, or, or whatever question it is. question that gets asked, of, uh, gets asked of him twice. Yeah. And with like, really no validation. John Cusack's like, yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah. cool, let's go. Yeah, and then and then he, he's just down to ride. A then... little, little bit more of a fight. It's like, no, Joel, we're done. But she seems enough that she's not going to go out. Like she's not not going to grasp him up to the police. What 
Debbie's character is done with him until he saves her dad, and then she just forgets the whole he has been a hitman for the last 10 years. That's very quickly overlooked. That something she had a huge issue with just before. He, char- he charms her with the chat. Char- charms her with the chat. That on prom night. Realized for the first time in my life I wanted to kill someone. I love it too much. I had to stay away. But I'm in love with her. Blah, blah. Got to get married. He lays it, lays it all out on the line. And that works. I mean, it's it's I'm mental not, that we've sure not tried that. Real world. Um, I'm not sure it works in the real world, but it works, it works here. Yeah, I, a little bit too. I mean, saving the dad's life probably important. The old man's on board, as he says. You've got my blessing. Yeah, he's fine with it now. In a similar vein of the question with the cigarette and the gasoline, mm. why does he not just turn the microwave off with the bomb in there? At what point? Before he goes off. Well, no, because at a certain point it would still go off. Because, say, if it's a, it, it's not, obviously they time it for the microwave beeping, but the actual the actual energy would still be there, wouldn't it? So if you let it sit inside the microwave for a certain point of period, even if you stop it, the heat is still inside the microwave. So eventually that energy would still be produced now. I feel like he could have slowed the process rather than leaving it so short. I mean, maybe. Wouldn't have been as cool. But. No, I also still think that whole might blows up because of the, the the energy would still be would still be radiate would radiate for a, for a, a period of time inside that microwave. Oh, I don't think he really wants to be touching plastic explosives. <laughs> no, I have to assume a hitman probably knows a little bit more about plastic explosives than I do. Oh, I would hope so. Yeah, my my main takeaway from too. the film is uh, ninety nine red balloons, or they have the German version in this uh, ninety nine mm-hmm. Luftballons. Um, the German version was big, but I have to admit, I do actually prefer the English version. Yeah, same. But I've just oh. had the tune just rattling around in my head since watching this on Sunday. Do you know I've got a lot of criticism? Why? Because of the heavy... Well, it's about nuclear war, isn't it? I don't know. I, I just, I've not read anything more into it than... No, but you know what the song's about, right? No, I've just... Oh, right. Oh, no, the song's, the song's about the possibility of Jim... You go to a nuclear war, so you know, the Soviet Union, etc., and the, the old Eastern Bloc. Um, and because of <coughs> the heavy materials, let's do an English version. <laughs> it's the same band who did the English version. I mean, but like, it's just okay. Um, it was for different markets on East v West. I yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. Oh no, it was released a long time before I was born. But anyway, because of the heavy subject matter. Uh, and the, the how do how is it worded? I want to say is it the pop synth beat or is it pop funk? One one of those two. The pop synth beat or the, because of the beat of it and the, the melody to it, um, and the serious subject matter. The, the band were accused of trivialising nuclear war. <laughs> I mean, it is a pop song at the end of the day. What could they expect? No, I remember there was always someone. Picked, was it? There was always someone that wanted to give you the trivia that um, pumped up kicks was about school shooter. That is about a school shooter. Yeah, I'm saying there's always someone that, if you listen to that, thinks they're telling oh, it for the first time. Oh, right, sorry. I thought you meant as in they wanted to be, but it wasn't true. I read no, the band admitted no. one of the things with the drum or someone, their cousin, was involved in a school shooting. They're definitely trivialising that, so there you go. Timeless, these things. Mm. Again, I don't, I don't think it's true. I mean, I 
I actually don't know, and I'm sure someone can correct can can tell us, but I've never bothered to translate the German lyrics to know if it's word for word or if they rewrote no. it for the English market. I'm I'm not going to do that. I'll be honest. But um, do you think that you could uh, charm a girl by uh, giving her an airplane like Cusack does? Probably not. <laughs> to be honest, imagine so essentially your your foot of three and a half feet up in the air looking at my looking at my gut. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that ain't it. I don't, and, I, and from that angle, double chins are flying everywhere. I really don't think that's the look. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm not. It seems bad because you just mentioned double chin. I'll go straight to this. Should we mention the fact Sean's not here again today? <laughs> I meant to do it at the start, but uh, I just didn't think about it. Um, I'm so I, I thought if he was going to be here for a week, he might show up for this week. Not watched either film. I'm sure he'll be here next week, though. Well, we've got next a week. Lot. Uh, is next week Den of Thieves, Hella High Water, from memory? Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've got to watch um, Hella High Water. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, again, let's have four. It wasn't it wasn't meant to be as odd as that. Um, no, I, I I don't know. Is he a big fan of Hello High Water? Is he? Or is he really like Dana Uh I'm imagining they'll like both. We watched Hello High Water at cinema together. Okay, fair enough. I've never seen Dana in full. Very good, very good. Mm, so I've been told. I've tried to watch it twice, but both times I was on over and I fell asleep. Both no, You'll like it this time if you uh, if you give it the time. I'm not hungover. Um, I I I said to you after watching. I don't know if I'm doing Joan Cusack a disservice by the fact that I know her as the head teacher in School of Rock. That's what I always think of as well. <laughs> that and this that and, uh, that, that and this film, and she's in the one of the Adams family. I was just thinking of her in School of Rock. Uh, Saying they think I'm a bitch and then saying a big one. Great film school of rock. Mm. Technically, there is some crime in there. Maybe it might be my wild card. Who knows? Please no. Um, the violence in this, you're not getting too much bloodshed. Do you think you needed ultra realistic violence in this, or is it just a. It could be weird. Like, if he, as, like, if Aquaman ends in the first seat, I actually know I don't know. Maybe play it off. It's he'd probably play it off. It's funny, which probably says more about me than the general cinema going audience. But if as he shoot it, as he if he's just, also I know you said it, but the body shots are just wild. <laughs> like it is funny, but like the body shots are just wild. Um, I mean, if he ends up with blood blood across the face, with, with after the body shots, I don't, I don't know. I think I chuckle. Um. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't know how much you need. I mean, the the scene where the scene where they when he stabs him with a pen is probably as close as you get. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot of blood that comes out of him being stabbed with that pen. Yeah, that, that actually caught me off guard a bit because of yeah. how it had been previously in the film. Yeah, but I suppose it's the close. Well, yeah, it's it's the closest range killing, and it's just like it is very bloody. Also, the bit that makes me chuckle is those two just walk back into that reunion. It, yeah. No, no, no one even looks twice at him. It looks as they walk back in. It looks as though the two of them have been fighting. But it's, like Piven, Piven is just cut like blood on his face. Like it's like a mixture yeah. of blood and dirt just all over his face. It's a it's a good fight scene. To be fair, mm. 
Yeah, it is I'm, a good I'm fight. I'm pretty sure Cusack did that himself as well. I don't think they got someone else in because um, the, and I forget his name, the assassin that's after him um, that's been hired is a, was a kickboxer. Oh, okay. And that, that's who trained him for the role. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. They gave so, a real uh, part in it. Yeah. Oh, got a lot of time for that. Score reunions, you'd be interested? No. Um, well, the sick form, I, sick form, I would. Really? Yeah, I like, I like sick form. She couldn't think of anything worse. Like we're, around, we're now around the age where we are, we are entering our 10-year reunion spell. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is the first yeah, the first time that's <laughs> really true. Well, since I've uh, when I watched this film, and I was thinking about it last night. Not to not to bring a very depressing note to the pod, but there are some there are some blindingly obvious reasons why I don't fancy it. I wouldn't fancy it. Um, I just don't think I would. I do also hate. I do also, but bore. Small talk. Um, yeah, yeah. If I wanted, well, to, if, well, if, if, locker. if at any point I wanted to know what you were doing in the last if, in the last ten or eight years, for example, I would have asked. I don't want to be forced <laughs> to ask you out of politeness. No, but maybe you've got a mini driver out there that uh, you'd stumble upon. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. You need I to move away though first. Once, mm. once you once you find out that it's going to be around the corner. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I did move away for a while. I mean, yeah, grand, I came back, but I did move away. Move away for a bit longer. Mm. So people need to be shocked when you come back. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, probably go away. Maybe just do like a maybe do like a fight camp. Twelve weeks away and just come back absolutely fucking shredded. Ten years. Ten years. <laughs> One of the things with um, Piven is he's parked illegally in the scene when he brings him to the car. <laughs> There's so many parking spaces there that he that he could go in. And originally, what I'd written down because I didn't know we got a shot after when he gets rejected by uh, the woman in the blue dress. Yeah. And then you see the next scene, and he's, and he's dancing with her. Mate, it's dancing cracks me. I thought at first that was just a, like a cool thing they were putting in the background of the scene, and yeah. I really like that. And then obviously they they then give you like a close up of. Uh, them dancing together but yeah that, that was great yeah i do i do i do love it. i actually think the reunion in itself is, is quite it's like a really nice scene yeah um i do do think it and like also that is that baby real i think so yeah because it's like look it's the cutest fucking baby i've ever seen <laughs> like honestly i thought yeah i thought he must have seen the idea i thought it again last he, i thought it before and i was like man they just animated this baby or what what is this that's like if you've got budget to spare yeah, like the invitation it, for the reunion says "dress to kill" on there as well. Nice touch. Nice touch. But I do like the. It's almost like they filtered. They put a filter on that baby before felt was worth it. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. But then, like, yeah, I do like the whole. Th- I do 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 love the whole reunion scene. Um, there's not a lot. It's nice, but it's not a lot of scenes I don't like about. It. I don't like in this film. Um, no. There's, there just isn't anything that I dislike about it. So I can't. I can't. I'm sure I should be, as someone who has been doing a weekly podcast about films for about a year and a half now, be able to put it into better terms than I just really like it. But um, that, that, that's really what I've got to say about it. Like, I enjoy watching this film. I always have. I was, um, I was like, oh, I was a bit like tired. I was knackered last night and I was like, oh, I've got to do it. 
got to do a double header at both. So I'll put the other guys on first because I, I I've seen that more recent. I had seen that more recently, so I was like, I know yeah. that's a lot. That's fresher in the mind. And it got to about eleven-ish last night, and I was like, shit, I, I need to watch um, Gross Point Blank because that's two yeah. hours. That's a that's a late night. Put it on, man. Time was gone in like in like <laughs> forty-five minutes. Film was over, and I was like, oh, all right, it's bedtime now. I had, I had my stuff written down that I wanted to say, and I was like, right, that's it done. And like, it's just it's just a fantastic watch. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I have to admit. I yeah, didn't think, I, I didn't. I really didn't think you would. Dan Aykroyd, um, a guy who, not Dan Aykroyd, sorry, um, Martin Blank, mm. who's trying to leave behind this life of crime. Yeah, gunning down two federal agents. Do we just uh, overlook that? William Angrosh should do it, don't they? You presume he gets the blame pinned on him because I do like the fact that he does just say working together. Um, <laughs> he calls him com- he calls him comrade as well. Yeah, like four times. Like, come uh, this the this, uh, the you empty. Do you want me to sell you a piece? Front you for it, and the the shot with the TV is unreal. Talking he's of twitching, like he's twitching on the yeah, floor. Afterwards. I was going to say, in terms of like the violence, I think that's probably the most violent part. <laughs> of it. Like he's just twitching. His body is just twitching away for about a good seven or eight seconds. Um, that's a heavy like TV the... to lift above your head and swing like that. I do love the fact that John Cusack shouts popcorn as he hits him with the telly as well. <laughs> like, unreal. Yeah, it's... That'll, be that'll be stuck in your head now, as it is mine, and has been for about 10 years. Do you think, as a couple, they last? No. They're, too neuro- they're both too neurotic in their own ways. How soon into an argument do you bring up, I saved you from a team of assassins? How soon, on the flip side, how soon is it into an argument do you bring up the fact you are a fucking murderer? <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's no getting away from that. Doesn't he tell her when they argue about it for the first time? He tells her she's overreacting, and she's like, "What?" (laughs) Yeah, and then walks out. Yes, this one. Yeah, (laughs) she does. This is an overreaction, but it's uh, like it's when he explains it. He's like, "Look, I do love the fact where he talks about everyone's doing it, and he tries to give her a lecture on. (laughs) He tries to give her a lecture on geopolitics." And he's like, "Yeah, the idea of government is all bullshit." And she's like, "What? I don't don't need to hear this. Everyone's doing it." So the states are state the states are bombing cities. Um, riot cops are shooting demonstrators in the street. That's indiscriminate. I don't do that. Um, it's just like well, you, your morality, your morality cause or your morality really isn't isn't that important if I, here. If I show up at your door, the chances are you've done something wrong. Yeah, it's a great line. Isn't it? Yeah. Also, I do easy or, good way of justifying it to himself. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do also like look, you do it because you're paid to do it. <clears throat> you paid. To, you were trained to do it. You're good at it. And to be honest, you, you come to enjoy it. In or come to grand, like it. Sorry, because in the grand scheme of things, is the hitman's union not a good idea? Gross is going to be doling out the jobs. There's going to be a bit more organisation involved. Um. Yes. In in theory, it's a great idea. But as he says, the lone gunman. I like the lifestyle. I like the look. Uh, look at the way I dress. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in fairness, yeah, he does. He, um, but yes, in, in theory, it would be a very good idea. Centralised bargaining. Centralised bargaining. Yeah. Very rarely is centralised bargaining uh, a bad thing. Um, anything else before we move on? No. no What's your favourite I mean... song on the soundtrack? Uh, I oh, it's a very good question. Probably, possibly, Rudy can't fail by the class. Okay. Uh, the Killer Moon by P. 
Pete Townsend. Probably rough to reference Pete Townsend these days, but it was a very. Uh, it's not the no, no. Sorry, it's not even the Killer Moon is on the soundtrack, but that's Echo and the Bunny Man. It's um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, let my love open the door. It's the Pete Townsend song, but they've got a, they've got a mix of it that I can't I can't find. Really annoying. I was trying to find it on Spotify for ages last night. Yeah. What about yours? Uh, 99 Red Balloons is the one that's uh, been in my head. But what's the one I text you about? Because it's at the end of the, the one that's at the end of Napoleon Dynamite as well. Uh, Blister in the Sun by the yeah. Violet Femmes. Yeah, and it's a different version actually that's in the film. They, they didn't release that version properly. Oh, actually, no. it, was slight, it was released on an LP, and, but the commercially released version is slightly mm. different. And oh. that wasn't the version that's like digitally remastered now. Yeah, I did not. I was trying to think. So, what else do I really like on that soundtrack? So, I mean, it is genuinely just so good. Isn't it? Um, Living Let Die, thing, Guns and Roses. I do like that version of that song. Um, well, I do. There are uh, there are some take on me. Uh huh. Yeah, never did did too much uh, for me. That that's a great song. I also like the version of that in Deadpool 2, that's slowed down. Yeah, um, the, whatever it is by the cure they put in, I think is in between days. Do like that song. Yes, in between days. Track five was omitted from the soundtrack because they couldn't get the rights to it. Hmm. Let's go on. The other guys. Two mismatched New York City detectives seize an opportunity to step up like the city's top cops who may idolise only things don't quite go as planned. What do you think the critics think of this one? I don't know if they'll be that sold on it, I've got to be honest. <laughs> no, no, I had to look to get some uh, positive ones, to be honest with you. Um, the movie breezes effortlessly from one hilarious scenario to another, yet effectively works as a real detective story. It runs out of steam in the final third, but the other guys is constantly kept afloat by a grand cast that includes Michael Keaton as station captain Gene and Eva Mendes as Gamble's smouldering wife, Sheila. I'm actually pretty pleased with the other guys. Not to the degree that I'll be investing in the inevitable unrated DVD edition of it, but pretty pleased. If you liked Anchorman, you'll probably find things to like about the other guys, but it's not a classic, even for rabid feral enthusiasts. I disagree. I know a lot of people's opinion, but I disagree. I wouldn't. I genuinely do. I do. I do think this is fantastic. I think this is phenomenal. It's like another film of, of his that no one I know is really, other than Roy, has really ever seen and like spoke to. That I've spoken to people about. It's semi-pro. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a phenomenal film. I think that's as I watched that during um, the first lockdown because I I think I said to Rory about it and then he quoted it to me and so I just watched it. I think it's I think that is as funny as it's not. All right, so Step Brothers Anchorman are the top two, right? Give me. I was going to say give me a top three, but we've only got one space left now. No, no. But if you if so, if that's if that's everyone's top three, I think this is better than Anchorman two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard to call old school a feral film. So we'll, t- we'll take that away. Talladega Nights? Do I think this is funny on Talladega Nights? I think Talladega Nights number three. Fair enough. So maybe I won't. But I don't think it's as far... What I'm trying to say is I don't think it's as far away from that level as people like to say it is. 
I really don't, and it's the same as semi-pro. Like that, no one I know, like like I say, other than Warrior, I don't know anyone who has ever bothered to, and now you is ever bothered to watch that. But that to me, I is guess we've incredible. missed out. Most people would probably have Elf at the top of Will Ferrell. Definitely. Thoughts on kicking and screaming? Love it. Yeah, great film. Give the ball to the Italians. <laughs> um, but that's a kids' film, so it's a different level. It's funny, yeah. Though, it's not yeah. like there are obviously some jokes that you can't get in there. Although him, him taking one off Mike Dicker is a great is a great moment. Um, he he's had some real misses though. Will Will Ferrell like absolutely. he goes all in. Like, Holmes I mean, and Watson. I, I watched I watched Eurovision before we did our interview with David Dobkin. You and TK didn't buy the bullet there. No, I've heard good things about that, but I still haven't watched it. No, um, you don't need to. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got of it so that's why I didn't bother um, have you seen like, Daddy's Home I have thoughts not for me I really like it huh I, I really liked it fair enough uh, it's the other one. I have also not for me um, it's what's the other one is it the campaign <laughs> love that uh, I do really actually really like that to be honest yeah <laughs> um, What's the other one? It's him and Amy Poehler. Is it the house? The house, but I don't. I don't think he was in that. He's in that. Okay, then it's the house. Then plays the dad. Yeah, he plays the character Scott Johansson. Yeah, he plays like the main character. Yeah, him and Amy Poehler. Zoolander. No, no. You have always hated Ben Stiller. Not true. I just don't fucking like Zoolander. Just didn't get it. Uh, just, I still don't. It's, it's, it's an acquired taste. And people are welcome to, to their acquired taste. I yeah. just don't like it. Um, <laughs> it just ain't, ain't me. But to the point about this, I genuinely just... I think this film deserves more credit than it gets. It does, but it also... Um, if you were reeling off... if Okay. If we were in a Family Fortune scenario and yeah, the thing was right. Will Ferrell classics... Yeah, yeah. It, but, it doesn't get on the top five, does it? No, but that's just stupid shit like Zoolander and Elf get there. I don't think Zoolander would, but I guess so that critics review saying it's not a classic. Yeah, they've said that in a, they've said that in a derogatory way. And I don't think it deserves that. Just because um, just because he made three films that are nines doesn't mean this can't be an eight and be a very good film. I'm not saying it, it is, but you get my point. Like to yeah. the most to, to anyone but the, the most of feral or devout whatever he said. Do you know what I mean? I think has, has he not post Step Brothers set the bar so high that it's just impossible I, to live up to? I, yeah, see, every, but again, I don't think this film doesn't live up to it. I think this, like, I know it's only my personal opinion. Outside of his little year, this this is the best of them. So he's done Step Brothers, he then does Land of the Lost, which we won't talk about. Yeah, thank you. He's made some fucking terrible films, and this isn't that. And then he does the other guys. Yeah, this like this is knocking. This would be knocking on the door. It's a return to form. Yeah, and I think it's really. Do you argue this is his last one? No, well, as I said, I, I like. He's got the campaign. Daddy's home. Get hard. The campaign after this, is it? Campaign's twenty twelve. Oh well, I do like the campaign. Maybe that's his. Last. Um. I've still got uh, one more review. So it's only when Farrell and Wahlberg go head to head that the other guy sparkles. And it's unfortunate that such a good pairing is wasted. Now, 
if we go on to the trivia, the idea of these two teaming up came from the uh, Academy Awards in 2007. Will Ferrell does a bit where he just goes through a lot of actors vicious, viciously insulting them and then gets to Mark Wahlberg, who's looking square at him and he's very polite, as if he's intimidated by him. And that's the bit, that's the butt of this joke. From then, people kind of wanted them to do a project together. Eventually, they get here. Okay. Um, Fair enough. During an episode of Big Brother USA, the house guests competed in a luxury challenge to see an advanced screening of this film. Um, Will Ferrell and Wahlberg made an on-screen video appearance but didn't come into the house. What the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um... This was the first Adam McKay film not produced by Judd Apatow, which explains why it's under two hours long. Oh, that's fair. It's definitely fair because there would have been a, a lot more included in this, um, I would imagine. Mm. And the last bit of trivia, um, this is the first collaboration between Mark Wahlberg and The Rock. They would later co-star in Pain and Gain, which we'll be doing in a few weeks. And he would be a producer on Ballers. Hmm. Didn't know Mark Wahlberg produced Ballers. Yeah. Great programme. An entourage which we've spoken about before. No, I never, <clears throat> never, never yeah. produced that. If we go to the start of the other guys, hammers home the point very well. But it's an interesting way of starting it by you essentially show two cool guys, a big action scene, that aren't your heroes, effectively. Mm. Does also, I mean, I'd sign up for a Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock spin-off, by the way, if you want to do a prequel movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm all in on Danton and Highsmith. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great start. I just thought it was interesting, just the way, the way you do that, because it's not like... A way I would think that would normally be done is we get a shot of Will Ferrell at his desk, typing away and then outside of the window the car goes past and then you follow these guys and then the whole kind of juxtaposition of this is what they do this is what they do yeah i mean it just slips out a little on its head doesn't it yeah yeah it's it's just i i really like the way it's done yeah too like the opening is it fucking ridiculous yeah absolutely like 100 percent, it's insane like the whole thing when he's on top of the car, the bit with the bus, and just it's it's nuts. He probably deserves um, some credit, Adam McKay, because he's never directed anything like this before. No, and he does. I mean, he does shoot. It is. I know obviously the X Men it's done sort of computers and stuff, but it is shot very well. Like the dialogue yeah. between them's good. Some some of the criticism is some people feel that the action scenes are a bit clunky. I didn't. I didn't take that from it, but that's where some of the criticism came in. Don't know what people were expecting. Um, I think, for me, um, you know what we said with Anchorman 2, and the criticism we always say is effectively, where they were very strict with what they cut in Anchorman, where we could only imagine how much was left on the table, what they had, like another entire film's worth of footage. I think this really is the start of where Will Ferrell is probably having a greater influence and he's starting to have more things left in the film. 
um, there's a lot more kind of little skits within the film in this one than you get with some of the others. And I think that's where some people switch off. I enjoy it. Like the thing, like one of my favorite scenes would be where you've got the lion and the tuna conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big one for everyone. Isn't it? But that kind of thing where there's probably so many iterations of that. And when you put that in a certain part of the film, maybe it doesn't quite feel in line with everything else that's gone in there. And when I was reading some of the criticism of this, because some people really do not like this film, it is that Will Ferrell was maybe having more of a input on the editing process. In I don't know. Well, I mean, if that if that is the case, I think you can make that argument for a lot of his films after a certain point in time. That's what I mean. So I'm saying it's yeah. the start of that. Maybe. I mean, this is 2010. This is, I mean, he, even after Land of the Lost, he comes back to do a more adult film again. I think this is when he's probably at the like the height of his powers, right? He is yeah. in the six years prior, he is just knocked out hits. Yeah. So when he comes back to do it, I'm pr- I, I imagine it might, it might even have been, it might even have come from him, it might have come from Adam McKay. They don't work together anymore, do they? No, we did this uh, last week, maybe. Did we? Pretty sure it's you. What we did? What I was saying about the the NBA production. I don't think we did, my friend. Sure. Maybe I. Well, I can. I can tell you the story if if you want me to. I don't know if I've told it on a previous one. I mean, if you have, I apologise because I've evidently paid no attention to. You see where there would have been an opportunity to do it. Uh, I only saw. I I didn't get a chance to read the full article, but Adam McKay uh, was doing a lot of press for Don't Look Up. So, yeah, so effectively, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. So Adam McKay is, or is either finished filming or, or um, is filming currently a TV series on the Lakers dynasty. Mm. And Will Ferrell, big Lakers fan, wanted to play one of the owners. Adam McKay, obviously, Will Ferrell just assumes he's going to get the part at this point. Yeah decides he doesn't look enough like the character he 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 doesn't think it's going to work um rather than go to him directly and tell him that he isn't going to have the part he goes and offers it instead to john c riley john c riley being the good friend that he is phones up will farrell and says look i know you really wanted this part i'm just going to let you know i've accepted this part but i thought you should hear it from me rather than see it online, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where the relationship has broken down because he feels like after all they've done together, he was probably should have been treated with a bit more respect. I get that. Uh, you also never told me this story, by the way. I, I told someone else it recently then, so maybe it was... Uh... Like, I, I feel like I would have remembered hearing this. But yeah, that, that's that's the story behind it. And so... Oh, well, look, Adam great, McKay John, effectively says... Guy. Yeah, Adam McKay effectively says... Look, we, we've spoken since, but effectively he's, we've spoken for him to tell me we won't be working together in the future. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Is it pay? Offering it to one of his best mates or one of his very good friends is a bit of a kick in the bollocks, but... I think from from what it sounds like, and we know actors are sensitive anyway, but I think it's the way it was done, which is probably what's wound him up more than anything. 
Yeah, but say we're never going to work again together. Like these, these two. Oh, I don't think it's. I don't think I'm overstating the fact when I would say these two made each other. Wilfred was 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 a star before, before the films of Adam McKay. But would you you would certainly say yeah they like they they made they made each other yeah yeah. You know I mean, Adam McKay ain't doing the big sort about Will Ferrell. But Will Ferrell's actually just made some shit recently. But Will Ferrell's not got the opportunity yeah. to make that stuff and no. be like because he, he was a legitimate, was probably the the biggest comedy star in the world for a while. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? He don't become that about Adam McKay. So, do you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'd be like in that situation. No. What do you think then? So you didn't like. That is home. No. Do you, but I assume you do like the combination of Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. I do. Yeah, I think they're brilliant. In this. There's yeah, nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with the concept. I just it's, it's all about execution, isn't it? Yeah, and this combination of those two together just kind of ticks all the boxes of what you need for kind of. I mean, they reference good cop, bad cop later in the film. That's for a, effectively for a, what for a, they are for a buddy it? cop film. For a buddy cop film, which ultimately this is what they suggested, I know it's a fairly big cast and yeah. you've got some great side characters in it. But for essentially what is a buddy cop film, you've got what you have got what you have. It yeah. still keeps to the classics. You've got the straight should be the straight lace guy, and then you've got the dangerous guy or Joe the loose the loose guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it meet, it meets that, and as you say, good cop bad cop. Um, the whole shooting Derek Jeter thing is fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No disrespect, Derek I I have no interest in baseball whatsoever, but it's just very a very funny scene when he's in that meeting. Yeah, and and then when you've got those two doing what they're doing, and then you kind of sprinkle in these other guys around them. Mm. It's just money. I mean, Michael Keaton, great having him in this, and I mean we've spoken about him previously. We'll never complain about having Rob Riggle involved, will we? It's a great guy. Jamie Adams. Great, great in this as well. Yeah, man, he's brilliant in everything he does. <laughs> but he's just a fantastic character actor. You don't get, I don't think you get that as much. He's like, he's just a comedic comic character actor. You put him in, you can put him in one scene, you can put him in five, and he will knock it out of the park. His delivery is just, his delivery is sensational, mate. That's pop. Wow. Um, and then you've got Eva Mendes in this as well, who's very good. She's in. Yeah, the play, playing like the dowdy housewife is but it's funny. It, she does actually a she is funny in it. The app and the way you you look and the you've got male shit, but also just having Eva Mendes play the dowdy housewife is a very a fairly obvious joke to make, but it is quite funny in its own way. The that scene with um, Mark Wahlberg just constantly asking, no, honestly. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very funny. Um, Even just when, a little thing like he he when he, he just keeps looking down when he's speaking to her at the table. He's going, yeah, bye Sheila, <laughs> bye Sheila. Alan, go inside. Bye Sheila. Lovely to meet you. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's it, like I say, it's a very easy joke to make, but it does work and it is played very well. Is Mark Wahlberg funnier than Will Ferrell in this movie? Yes, but I think that's the intention, right? I just, you would just assume, wouldn't you, that it's going to be the other way around? I don't know. 
they get the dialogue that they designed for Mark Wahlberg is a lot better. Will Ferrell's the one throwing up the alley oops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He does a lot of the setup work. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I always think about it. He's, maybe we should start calling ourselves the Febreze brothers. It's just, <laughs> just so fresh in here. And he just looks at me, he's like, you thinking fresh start? He's like, yeah, 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 I can see that on your face. Like, it's bit like he does do the whole him just attracting world is everywhere he goes as well. Um, <laughs> Gator's bitches better be wearing Jimmy's. Gator never been about that, never been about that life. Uh, Gator needs to walk around money. Want to buy some shoes? Um, there's a, there's a lad I used to work with. Genuinely, just used to shout shit from this film at each other. Like Christina, we have probably shouted at each other close to a hundred times. I had to, I had to pause it after he's getting his bitches better be wearing Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think the, I think the story, how he becomes a pimp, is so much funnier. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a stable of hook. That's a stable of horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> And he just comes in the mirror and he's got a gold tooth and a bucket out. <laughs> like, I do think it's very good. A stable like, as well is so, it's such yeah. a funny way to describe it. I, um, Keaton's great in it, Joe, and he's like, no, it's, it's not, a, no, it's not Captain Sheen. I'm not a super, not, not a superhero. Um, the TLC references as well fucking crack me up. Like in the end Jesse. scene where he's like, "Come on, you've got to know you're doing this." <laughs> like, what? Well, I don't know you. It's like no scrubs, and he's like, "What?" It's when he says "creep, creep." He's like, "I've never heard anyone say that unless they're referencing <laughs> it, unless they're quoting TLC." Um, the, the the like it's just little like little bits where he just gives him they, like Steve Coogan just gives him the tickets to shit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're suddenly at the Jersey Boys, like this is amazing. Like it does just <laughs> it does crack you up, man. Just yeah, I mean some some more of the quotes in this. Um, he he's described as like a Viagra pill with a face. I uh, genuinely I like. Um, well, see, he says, uh, "Oh, he goes because you shot Jared Jeter." Calls him a biracial <laughs> angel and just says he should have shot A Rod. Um, just yeah, that is that whole meeting is quite funny. The sound um, of your piss hitting the urinal. It just sounds feminine. Um, <laughs> You, you so, said I had a weak chin. Is your your farts sound like a baby blowing out birthday candles. Says about his change purse as well. Uh, also, like, uh, what's it called? Oh, shit, what are they called? Is it East? Whatever the river band's called. And he just goes, I've always got them loaded up. Just banks the same tune. Yeah, I think it's literally Riverdance. Uh, yeah, I think he says Riverdance, doesn't he? No, uh, Summit River Band. I don't because he abbreviates it. He says ELR, but I'm not. 100% sure. Um, I've got to be honest. Um, is there an argument for Bob, the best side character? No. This paperwork's like Bob's wife here. It's thick, ugly, and has dancers' fingerprints all over it. No offence, Bob. He says, no. no, no, it's all right. There is not an argument for that, mate. <laughs> Come on. What do you um, want me to say? There isn't an argument for it. Gentlemen, you have two choices. Mama Mia or Jersey Boys. You don't like Steve Coogan. I'm not a great lover of Steve Coogan, no. And we we could quite literally uh, reel off all these quotes. When when she tell, tells him that uh, she's pregnant, 
Is that, whose baby is that? Who's the man that did this to you? <laughs> Get out, Alan. <laughs> when he keeps, they keep sending the mum outside. So I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> saying all of this. Um, yeah, fucking. I'd actually forgotten about that as well. Um, the scene when they're in the bar and he's just singing the fucking weirdest songs in the world, by the way. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> kill. Like, just cracks me up. There are three things I love in this world. Kylie Minogue and the small dimples just above a woman's buttocks. And the fear in a man's eye when he knows I'm about to hurt him. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a great fan of that character. Just very bad acting, even for a film like this. Do you wish we could have got more of The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson? Did they have to die? Uh, For the purpose of this film, yeah. It also goes against your uh, Apatow snide comment earlier. If you... there isn't a lot of the Wahlberg foul stuff you can cut. I honestly yeah. think there is. I, like the little chirpings from the side characters are great as well. So if you want to, you either have to make this a lot longer, which I think does this whole does it a disservice. These films are really good. Like for another forty minutes of this, for example, I think it loses something. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, Adam McKay playing Dirty Mike. Dirty Mike and the Boys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you Dirty Mike and the Boys. Um, a soup kitchen. That's, that's, that just doesn't sound fun. No. <laughs> we're going to have, have a little screw party in this red Prius over here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this, this is my first... I've never owned a new car before. Um, I, did, like, I didn't know that was... I didn't know that was Adam McKay, actually. Nor did I until I saw it uh, in the... Uh, little space where it tells you about any uh, director cameos I was reading. Um, a lot of the criticism for this film is largely directed at the final third. I get that. It, it certainly stands out from the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, because well, I, I just happened to see how long was left. So the point at which you've just had the... Uh, Eva Mendes and Will Ferrell sending the mum back and forth. There's like 15 yeah. minutes left after that. Mm-hmm. And you've got a whole ending to go through. So I think it's, they had to end it somehow, but they start out trying to do, we're going to have a comedy here, but we're also going to have the kind of full-on detective story. Yeah. And then by the end, they're kind of like, they sacrifice that to get in the extra jokes, which I think is the right call. But it does just mean the ending is just quite rushed. disappointing when you get there. Yeah, it's, it's quite rushed as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I did probably lose its way a little bit before. There are like it, it, before the Eva Mendes, the Eva Mendes bit. If you're being honest. Yeah, I just happened just to see how long was left. Oh, before. sorry. Okay, yeah, we yeah. still got because we still got like to end this film. It's. I imagine they had a lot of these punchlines and kind of scenes decked out and it was just a case of ordering these and then we'll put the ending on the end of that possibly maybe it is one of them where like you said there's just a lot of stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor yeah and they just weren't sure what what to get or sort of how to make it as coherent as possible if you've got i need this i I do need this from the last third of the film i need these five things like you say and it's just how you fit how you try and fit it together because I think the first half is, is the first half's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, it is great, and it does sort of lose its way in a couple of ways. Like you say, it becomes a little bit less 
I say coherent, but they just a little bit more jumbled and a little little bit more frantic. Um, it does lose something in that. Yeah, just trying to get him when he's just trying to get him out of the office and he's got the gun to him and he's mm. pointing out, we are literally in a police station here and no one is paying any attention to this. I uh, I I like the bit where he's like, look, I was going to walk out and start bad mouthing you, but my daddy saw me. He's got to turn to his face and he's like, that. That's actually just not necessary. Do you think Wahlberg gets credit for how funny he is? No. And probably more so these days. He's done quite a few little comedies now, hasn't he? Not That's what I mean. Like, he he does Ted, and you, you need a certain level. I, mean, I know you obviously still have the voice alongside him, but to be able to carry something like that, you do need a certain level of, like, comedic transparency to be able to do yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, I, I I do think he is, but I I don't know how much of his work, but I think he's just natu- I don't know if he's naturally just quite a funny guy. Yeah, Joe, like, I, how, I Joe, like most scousers are funny, whether you like them or not. Most of them are quite funny. It seems to be the guys from Boston are, are sort of the same. Just have less care about them. Maybe that, maybe, but it's just in. I don't. I obviously don't know the atmosphere, but it just seems to breed people who have that ability. Yeah, so do you have anything else or do you want to go on to the categories? No, I don't really, mate. I must admit. Do, do, do. Okay. Which film did you prefer? Gross Point Blank. I agree with you. Which film do you think is more rewatchable? Gross Point Blank. Also agree. Um, best moment slash scene? Oh, it's a tough one. But I do think it, I, I do, I do think it's got to be the, the like uh, the lion tuna, uh, the lion. tuna scene, yeah, fucking, yeah. it's I, so so good. I also agree. Got a taste for lion. <laughs> I'm not talking hours at a time, but 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, to establish a beachhead, we will aggressively hunt you. We're out when he looks up and you are outgunned. <laughs> now you're in my world. <laughs> you are outmanned and you are outgunned. That that go how you thought it was gonna go? I don't think so. Yeah, Ice T as uh, Ice T as the boy, as the narrator. Great, great yeah. shout. One of one of the best. What an opening line! That Dice Mim and Hansen, the ride ride section shoot the star. You could take anything from that scene we've just referenced, and that would also be my best quote. By the way, uh, this the the like the other guys will win best quote. There's a lot of quotables for me in Gross Point Blank, but the like the top, the top end of this is like this is my point about this. I I think this is almost this is as quotable as so many of his other films. This is brilliant. I I disagree, but I also think the bar is incredibly high. Like after after Superbad, I think Step Brothers is probably my most quotable film. Um, and command is as quotable as it gets. Then you're probably talking. Does this have more or less than Talladega Nights? It's got to be in the region. Yeah. I guess the issue is when quoting it, a lot of people aren't going to get the quote because a lot more people, people have seen, seen Talladega Nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that's yeah. I I think that's a good point. I, this, I don't know. I think this film. Just, I genuinely think this film gets hard done by. I don't disagree. Uh, MVP. 
point blank. I'll roll you. Um, best side character. This is where I think we'll fail. This is where I think we'll fall apart. Uh, for me, so it's... shall I Sorry. say what I think it's down? I would narrow it down to two, and it's one I on would, each side. I would narrow it down to three. But go on. So I would have Rob Riggle on the other guy's side and Jeremy Piven on on the side of Gross Point Blank. Okay. So mine would be Keaton in this if I had to pick one. Okay. And um, the other guys, I think he's great in every. I do love Rob Riggle, but I think Keaton's in it a little bit more. And would and you just, have Grocer in the mix as well? I would. Uh, also, the Bed Bath and Beyond scene is fucking brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, 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 just as we were talking about Keaton. But yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> it just starts there. There's a might be a rapist in the Gothic Park. Just con- just consider that. He's like, oh, I know that's actually my other job. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Got some big news for you guys. The new bath mats are in. Um, like, <laughs> I do love the fact that like, I'm working here and I'm working at, I'm working at this station. Also, I can put a kid for NYU just so he can become a DJ. Um, I yeah, Keaton or Riggle for the other guys, and then. For me, it would be. I would even give. Out, I would probably give Alan Arkin a shout, but that's less for his character in the film, and that's more because I think Alan Arkin is phenomenal. Uh, if I, obviously you need me to pick one, don't you? Uh, do you want me to tell you where I'm going? Yeah, go on. I, I go the way of the other guys for this one. Okay. Oh, okay. I think the, the, I, I think it's, it, it needs to go to it goes to Dan Aykroyd for me. I have to do that decision. It's very very close. Yeah. Last per minute. It is the other guys. Just like I say, there's a familiarity to Gross Point Blank where I just find myself smiling through the whole thing and like just enjoying the whole thing. The they both have a identical run time, by the way. One hour 47. Mm, nice. So it's quite literally <laughs> a case of which did you laugh more at. Um, yeah. Best soundtrack? Gross Point Blank, mate. Originality? I think it's Gross Point Blank. I, I would agree with that. Bigger impact? I would say the other guys. So would I. And I think part of it is it's the foundation of the Beryl Wahlberg partnership, which goes on to make a ton of money in that is her one and two. Mm. And to be honest, I think just more people, if you ask them if they've seen the other yeah. guys or Rose Point Blank, like I've, I've even been asking some people who are a bit older about Rose mm. Point Blank, and it really does seem like less people have seen it than I would hope. I uh, I think um I, I think it also this is a good springboard like I think it's a good springboard for Wahlberg as, as a comedic actor. Yeah. Came out in cinemas the same week as um, Anaconda, by the way, gross point blank. Okay. Never seen Anaconda. Don't like And <laughs> came fourth in the box office for that year by the way, gross point blank. Nineteen ninety seven. Nice. What was the top Titanic? Um that sounds right. So <laughs> I just saw a stat saying it was number four. I thought that's pretty good. So I had to see what was that at the same time. Um, Strike the scene. If Titanic came out in 97, which I think it did, then it was all pushed yeah. up. Yeah. Um, best opening scene, it was point blank. Is it? No, I take it. No, it's not. No, I take it back. The best opening is the other guy. I think it is tougher than. It's tougher than you think. I initially thought. The... The sheer lunacy yeah. of the other guy's scene and it's the, the rock and Sam, Samuel R. Jackson, it wins yeah. it for me. Um, best ending? Most point blank. I agree. 
best chemistry. The, the other guys agree. Tally this up. How do you think this went? I think the other guys has just nicked it. It was 6-6. Six, six, so gross point blank takes it on the tiebreaker. Ooh. I think that's about fair. Bobby, we disagreed on, on one of 12 topics, yeah, uh, one of 13 yeah. topics. And that's so. the side character. And so, I mean, I, the side character, you could, I, I just, like, I said to you, um, how many times have I said to you when we spoke about this film, how much I think Dan Ackwood is brilliant? And it should, yeah. I mean, it's hard for me then to go, oh, actually, no, I need someone else. When yeah, the main one comment of selling points. Um, on the interview with Steve Pink is that he makes a mistake and refers to him as American at, at some point in that. And so there's a lot of people who think they're the first people to tell us that he's actually Canadian. Mm. There we go. That is, growth point blank is through and it does continue the streak for the left-hand side of uh, the fixture list. And for anyone who is listening to the pod, maybe you're a new listener and you haven't listened to our interview with Steve Pink, please do. I'm going to link it in the bio of the episode. So. Oh, okay. Sure you would. And a link to the Spotify one because you can watch it on Spotify there as well. So oh, wow. mainly hot tub time machine and then we've got about 20 minutes-ish of gross point blank in there as well. So, But it is more, it is more than worth a listen or watch based on uh, the conversation about hot tub time machine as well. Yeah, uh, You also get to see the rough look I was sporting during lockdown. <laughs> and so next week we are back with Den of Thieves versus Hell or High Water. Um, probably my favourite two weeks coming up in the bracket. So looking forward to that. So I think that just about does us, unless you have anything to add. No. Okay. Thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.